0: Helping is the action of kindness, the action of compassion, the action of grace. And when we help is a way to welcome, we need to know, we need to remember, we need to understand that helping is sacrificial. Helping is sacrificial. Have you ever helped someone when your circumstances appeared to be much worse than theirs? And maybe, you know, maybe this, this thought in your mind comes in, slides in there, and you're like, man, they should be helping me. I'm worse off than they are. Well, when helping is a sacrifice, when helping is a sacrifice, we help someone as a way to welcome them, we need to remember two things. The first is this, if you're a follower of Jesus, you live forever, but the person we are welcoming may not know the Lord, and so they may not live forever if they don't meet Jesus, and so their circumstance really is way worse than yours, even if in the present it looks better. Does that make sense? All welcoming, all helping is welcoming, and helping is sacrificial. But when we help someone who doesn't know the Lord, we may be having a life or death impact on them. We may make a life or death difference in their lives. So is it worth the sacrifice? And the reality is, as a follower of Christ, you live forever, so when you sacrifice by helping, you don't lose anything because you live forever. Amen? Give up part of your life for someone else, you don't really lose anything because you live forever as a follower of Christ. So that's the first thing. That gets us through sacrificing to help. The second is this. When Jesus hung on the cross, dying paying for the sins of the world, his circumstances were way worse than ours will ever be. Since we are living forever, we certainly can sacrifice to help someone as a way to welcome them into the church family and maybe into the kingdom so that they too would live forever. So as a church family, if we want to be a dangerous church, dangers to sin, brokenness, and despair. We need to welcome others in love, with kindness, with compassion, and with grace. And we need to help them sacrificially so they experience our love and our kindness and our grace and our compassion. Helping is welcoming. Now, in verses 3-16, through Paul extends his love and appreciation to a list of people in the Roman church. It's kind of like the acknowledgement at the beginning of the book. I'd like to thank all these people that helped me write the book. How many, how many of you re- actually read the acknowledgement at the beginning of the book? Anyone? Okay. Uh, wow, I'm amazed. I don't. It's like, skip all that stuff. I want to get to chapter 1. Have you ever gotten to Romans 16 and began to read and see all those hard names and go like, I can skip this, it's just a list of names? Okay, you never will after today. There's so much more in Romans 16 than it just being an acknowledgement, Paul saying, hey, thanks everybody for helping me out. In Romans 16, the first uh, verses 3 through 16, Paul gives us three aspects of a real dangerous church church family. Listen to what a real church family looks like. I practice these names but nah, I didn't practice them enough, I I think. So here we go. Romans chapter 16 verse 3 it says greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risk their necks for myself, to whom not only I give thanks but all the churches of the gentiles give thanks as well greet also the church in their house greet my beloved Epaphnetus who's the first convert to Christ in Asia greet Mary Whew, that's an easy one greet Mary who's worked hard for you greet Andronicus and Junia my kinsmen and fellow prisoners they're well known to the apostles and they were in Christ before me greet Ampliatus my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Statius. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family in Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord. Tryphena, tryphena and Tryphosa. They must have been twins. <laughs> Greet the beloved per- Persis who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet as- Asyncretus, fled John. that's a good name to name your son, fled John, Hermes, Patrobas, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nurus, nurse, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. So first, Paul is reminding us that the real church is not a location or a building. The church is real people. The the church is made up of real people. If this building burned down, Kirtland Christian Fellowship would still exist. We don't need this building to be a church family, do we? We could all meet at my house. <laughs> Betsy's like, "Sure.' be a little tight, but we could. Paul names names when he writes to the church family in Rome, from Prisca to Olympus. And those are just some of the real people in the church in Rome. They have names. You know, the Bible isn't an old, dusty book of religious doctrine. It's about a real God and his relationship with real people who have real lives, who have real brokenness, who have real times of despair. Now, I want you to look around. I grew up in a church where you didn't look around at church. you just straight ahead. So go ahead, look around. See everybody that's here. Come on, look around, look around, front to back, back to front, look around. Come on, you're not looking around. Come on, you can do it. Look around, look around. All right, awesome. We are real people, amen? Are there any fake people in the room? Uh, Don't raise your hand. We make up this church family. We celebrate our victories together. We care for one another in times of trouble. We comfort one another in times of sorrow. We forgive one another when we make a mistake. We serve together. We take risks together to connect others with Jesus. This is the church family. We say we don't go to church. We are the church, and no one stands alone. In the first service, I said, and no one stands around, and everybody laughed at me. I'm like, what's wrong? wrong? I realized I'm the only one standing. But you know what it means, no one stands alone, and and you do that beautifully as people go through trials. Now you need to look around a second time. Look around, look around, come on, look around, look around. There are people in this room you don't know yet. Make it a goal to learn their names. Learn the names of as many of your fellow KCFers as you can. Connecting with others begins when you know their name. God knows our names, and we need to learn each other's names. Now, remember that show, um, Name That Tune? I know it's going way back, way, way, way back, right, where there was a contest, it was a game show. I can name that, they'd give a clue, and then somebody'd say, I could name that song in five notes, and uh, three notes, and one note, and, well, we're going to play that game just with one song. So we're going to play the song, and if you know the name of the song, the name of the song, shout it out, uh, and we'll play about the first minute of the song. Um, ready? You guys got it? Okay, here we go. Taking your way name of the, the world, world today takes everyone knows your name. All right, now sh- listen to the words. Break all all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? All those nights when you've got no lights, the check is in the mail. by its tail and your third fiancé didn't show Sometimes you wanna go where everybody knows your name And they're always glad you came. You wanna be where you can see the troubles are all the same You wanna be where everybody knows your name Listen to all the words in the rest of the song, but and don't and don't watch the show. But but the the idea is awesome. See that song with a little bit different words should capture the heart of what a church family should be like, what this church family is like. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name, and there's always and they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see the troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. Recent study came out. I just, I just read a little bit of the study. But 22% of millennials, so y- folks in 18 to around 30, percent say they have no friends. Where's the church? Being part of a fellowship of a church family where everybody knows your name is so powerful. So powerful. So now it's time to welcome one another. Stand fast. What do we call it? See, greeting time is biblical. If you ever thought, what is this greeting time stuff? Romans 16 Greet your church family. All right, so listen now. Uh, We're going to take a few minutes, but some of you are petrified right now. (laughs) (laughs) You may be petrified because you don't know anyone because you're here maybe the first or second time. It's okay. Nobody bites at all. But second, you may be um, just a little on the introverted side, and this is just scary and that's okay. God made you that way. We need, oh, oh, we need introverts in the world. I'm actually an introvert, you just don't know it. But third, and I think this is what really is petrifying some of you, is there are people in this room that you have known for a year or two or five or ten, and you used to know their name, but you've forgotten it. And you've been afraid to ask them, you know, I'm really an idiot, and it's been five years, but can you tell me your name again, right? A- am I right? Am I right? Yeah, so, so I'm going to take all your fears away. All your fears away. So here's how we're going to do it. You begin the conversation like this. Hi, my name is. And then the other person says, hi, my name is. That way you don't have to pretend like you know their name, but when you don't. Because you have to, here, I'll demonstrate. Betsy, could you come up? Even if it's your wife, you have to do this. Okay. Hi, my name is Tim. Hi, my name is Betsy. All right, then we can talk about where we're going to have lunch or whatever. Okay? Isn't she awesome? She's awesome. All right, so we're going to, uh, so that's, no, there's a second rule. Skip the holy kiss part. Just saying, don't want anybody to get carried away. Romans 16, verse 16. Alright, so we're gonna take a couple of minutes. Find some find people that just just find people and introduce yourselves. Get to know one another's names. Ready? Whether you're afraid or not. Go. All right, let's find our seats. Alright everybody find your seats. Hello, hello. Am I coming through? Am I coming through, Tom? Can you hear me? Can you go turn turn my mic on? Alright. Alright, we can't have too much fun in church. Have a seat. Have a seat. All right, so Paul. Uh, all right, settle down, settle down. <laughs> what are you doing? Having fun in church? What did you? All right. Okay, so. So first, Paul tells us church is made up of real people. Church family is made up of real people. Second, Paul reminds us that the real church demonstrates authentic love. The church family is family. Notice the words that Paul uses to describe the different people that he's writing to. He uses uses words like sister, brother, servant, not like servant like the bad kind, but servant like we help each other, we care for one another. Uh, patron, using your resources to help others, fellow workers, kinsmen, fellow prisoners, beloved, a mother to me. There's a person in the Bible It says that was like a mother to Paul. She's probably in heaven like, that's my boy. (laughs) This guy right here, he's awesome. He was a real pain when he was a teenager, but he was awesome. (laughs) The more you connect with people the more opportunity you have to be loved and the more opportunity you have to love others. This whole chapter permeates the word love. Four times Paul uses the word loved or beloved. He says, my beloved epatnatus, ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord, my beloved (sighs) status. Why didn't he say my beloved Mary. Greet the beloved, greet the beloved Persis. So as you read this passage, you get a sense that they were in this together. The church family in Rome was in this together. No one stands alone. And the greatest demonstration of this love was described in verses 3 and 4. Paul wrote this, greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life. They risked their necks. In other words, they risked their lives so that Paul could have the life that God designed him to have. Their love was so deep for Paul that they were willing to die so that Paul could have life. Does that sound familiar? Jesus did this for us. He died so that we could have life. He went to the cross While we were still sinners, he paid the penalty for our sin. He was buried in the grave. He rose from the grave, proving he had power over sin and death. And the Bible says that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Because of Jesus' authentic love for us, we can be part of a church family. We can be part of a church family that takes risks so that others can come to know Jesus as well. This is a real church family. Every day this week, I can't tell you all the detailed stories, but every day this week, I saw you make sacrifices and take risks to show the love of Jesus to others. And I only see the tip of the iceberg. This is a church family that demonstrates authentic, love and third paul reminds us that a real church family develops adventurous faith the efforts of the church family in rome were fueled by their faith in jesus their lives were adventurous because their faith was in jesus paul describes the church family in rome as hard workers in christ so i guess not only does no one stand alone but no one stood around either they were hard workers in christ Apelles was approved in Christ. Persis worked hard in the Lord. Rufus, chosen by the Lord. And one member of the church family of Rome was the very first convert in the province of Asia. Now, I have a picture of where Asia is. It's kind of where Turkey is, I think. Can you imagine the adventure? Uh, the, the person is uh, a, a, a what a pain it is to say his name. A pain to test. <laughs> What an adventure he must have had. What must it have been like to be the first Christian, the first follower of Jesus in a whole province? We all have a God-given adventure. Maybe we're not the first converts in Ohio or Kirtland. Or whatever town you live in, but you may be the first convert in your family. Or in your neighborhood. Or on your football team. Or at your school or at your workplace. And God has an adventure for you. Can you think of a greater adventure than sharing the love of Christ with others so that they receive the gift of eternal life? No video game compares to that. No vacation can compare to that. Nothing we do can compare to that adventure. So a real church family has adventurous faith, and we have adventurous faith as a church family. This week, over 25 adults... And teenagers will minister to 30 to 40 children. And at the end of the week, if you ask them, they'll they be like, VBS is over! Because <laughs> they're really tired. But they come back the next year and do it again because it's an adventure. The church family of Rome worked together to share God's love and truth. And this work was counterculture to the Roman culture. The church family was fighting a war against sin and brokenness and despair. And we're fighting that same war today in a different culture, but in a war that's still counter to the culture. Every solution to the war other than the peace that comes through Jesus may have an impact, but it won't bring, pre- won't bring peace. People are at war with each other because they don't have the peace of God inside them. And so our part of the fight is to help people experience the peace that comes from God through relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we have a war to fight, we really do. It's been a terrible week in our country. And the peace that will come only will come from the inside. So we have a war to fight. A church family is dangerous not to people, but to sin and to brokenness and despair when real people demonstrate authentic love and adventurous faith. So we get to be dangerous we get to fight against sin and despair and to brokenness so that others can experience peace through relationship with Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, it's very clear to us that there is a war raging all around us and it's just not in California or Texas or Dayton, Ohio. It's in our communities. It's in our families. It's in our schools and our workplaces. And Lord, we want to have peace so that we can give it to the world. And so, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen our faith. Lord, we want to journey together toward a deeper faith in you. And, Lord, would you deepen our faith, our trust in you. So that we can reach out with your truth and with your love. So that people who are at war can find peace. Lord, help us be bearers of the peace that you are offering the world. Lord, I thank you for my brothers and sisters in this church family and the way they care for one another. Lord, would you bless them this week. And Lord, I pray for the team uh, leading Vacation Bible School. Lord, give them strength and energy and wisdom and compassion and love for the children. And Lord, I pray that many of the children would have an encounter with you And would surrender their lives to you so that they would have peace in their hearts and would become warriors in your kingdom. And I pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 So we are.